Welcome to the Green Lectionary Podcast, a production of Creation Justice Ministries. The Green Lectionary is a conversation on scripture through the lens of creation justice. My name is Derek Weston, Theological Education and Training Coordinator for Creation Justice Ministries, and today we will be looking at a text for the second week of the season of creation. For those that may be new to the season of creation, it is a liturgical season stretching from September 1st through October 4th that calls us to a time of renewal of our relationship with our Creator and all creation through celebration, conversation, and commitment. For this episode, I'm joined by three guests, Reverend Dr. Garrett Andrew, Karen Bigelow, and Reverend Doug Kaufman. Garrett is the pastor of Nipomo Community Presbyterian Church, an award-winning preacher, and the co-author of the book, Peace Be With You. Karen Bigelow is the co-executive director of Creation Justice Ministries, and Reverend Doug Kaufman is an environmental activist and executive director of the Anabaptist Climate Collaborative. Join us as we look at Matthew 18 through the lens of creation justice. Let the songs of the water, land, and sky resound, cause together we are all bound. Within these pages, there's always new life to be found. Our passage today is Matthew 18, verses 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth on anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Garrett, where is creation in this text? Um, That's a great question. And, and before we started, you talked about using it imaginatively. And obviously, as we read this right now, we're not seeing a whole bunch of things that pop out like, hey, this is creation. Like, there's not animals going on by Tootsie Tootsies or God dealing with the cosmos or anything of that nature. Um, it's it's Jesus suddenly talking about reconciliation in a passage that we have done wild injustice to even to deal with that reconciliation. But uh, since the focus being of reconciliation and, and, and restoration of relationships, I, I think it has absolute uh, implications for creation, even if we don't necessarily obviously see creation in it. And, uh, and I'll just say quickly, you know, just as the passage discusses the process of conflict resolution within the community, uh, we can extend this idea to the concept of reconciliation with all aspects of God's creation. And, and this obviously includes our mending of relationships with the environment and recognizing our role in caring for the earth as part of God's creation. Um, so I, that would be my general first answer without trying to break this down. And I imagine in the midst of the conversation, we'll do more of that. And I'll just say we have to... We have to recognize the broken downness of humanity's relationship with the wider creation and our need for reconciliation. And perhaps this passage can begin to speak to us in fantastic, and I do believe, incredible ways we can come up with a sermon for that. But that's what I say at the beginning. 
Yeah, and I'll I'll chime in that there is one place where we don't have to be imaginative, where it literally does say on earth, well, twice, actually, uh, whatever you bind on earth will, will be bound in heaven, uh, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This starts to anticipate our second question, too, about God, but, but what's interesting to me about this passage is that it does bring earth and heaven so closely together, and, and so that relationship between what is considered God's habitation and our habitation is, is being close. And it, it uh, brings to my mind the Sermon on the Mount where uh, Jesus in the, in the prayer, the Lord's prayer says on earth as it is in heaven. What's interesting about this is it's kind of the opposite. It's in heaven as it is on earth. It, it, the, the things we do on earth, the, the, the way we treat other creatures, the way we treat the earth, has implications in heaven is is part of how I would see this passage. So there's this kind of inextricable link between earth and heaven. There isn't the kind of separation that we often uh, would try to put between God and and earth. So that's there. There is that one place um, where where there is a creation um, aspect to this. Uh, and I also agree with, with Garrett about the, the, the larger implications here on reconciliation. And part of what I, where I would go with that is, is also just conversation. I mean, this is talking about a, a process of listening and of speaking. And, um, and so I, I'll, we can talk about this more later, but, but I think about this, this question of how do we, uh, if, it, if it isn't just in the church that we apply this, that, that is the context of this, is that I think this is the only place where Jesus says church. Um, but then it talks about Gentiles and tax collectors, and there's kind of traditional interpretations of that um, as if what's called for and what's often emphasized in my tradition is that you that, that really what that means is you cast them out, treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. But if you think about how Jesus actually treats Gentiles and tax collectors in the Gospels, then, then you kind of get a different interpretation. And 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 maybe you're more, maybe there's more grace for them if they're to be treated as a Gentile and a tax collector. So there is some, there are some implications here about beyond the church. And like Garrett, I would include those implications uh, to be, to, to all creation. So I had a pretty similar um, view of seeing creation um, in the way that Garrett did. When I read the scripture, I thought, what does it look like for the other being entity to be the rest of creation, given that we're supposed to, we are a part of creation. And so being in relationship with it, um, I almost thought about like how, when we think about the climate crisis and other environmental issues that are happening, they didn't start at the level that they are now it's been creeping up. And so it's the sense to me of how I imagined it is like nature came to us where it's just the two of us and we didn't listen. And then nature had to talk louder. And then from that reason became two or three witnesses. And so it feels like it's been this relationship with creation, the rest of creation where everything keeps escalating. And 
I'm I'm afraid that we about to be treated as the pagan or tax collector, but <laughs> it is the sense of I thought too, like in creation, what does that mean for us to think about what that relationship looks like that's being called the sense of accountability to be look, looked at that isn't necessarily bound to just us as humans with each other. And instead, what does it look like for creation to be calling us to do better? Um, and so kind of in the same vein that Garrett was talking about though, um, when it came to that. So that's kind of where I saw creation in this story, of course, beyond the more obvious mentioning of Earth um, in the in the latter passages. Mm. Karen, I, I love what you just did there. I because I so often am challenged and want to challenge people to we often place ourselves in the hero position of scripture, right? That like we are the one who's going to be talking to the person who has sinned and we're going to be the one talking to the one who has committed the fault. Um, instead of thinking of ourselves as being in the position of the one who has sinned and needs to be, you know, needs to be talked to, who needs to, who needs to have a, a reckoning. And, and here the idea that creation has, um, you know, I love the way that you said that, Karen. The way to think that creation, creation tried to talk to us one on one. Creation really tried to have this be a you know uh, 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 in house thing, but we weren't listening. And so more and more and more witnesses are coming from the created order, trying to call us to repentance and call us to reconciliation. I absolutely love that um and i find it very challenging to to think of myself on the rebuked end of of nature um and and so often um that's exactly where we need to be if we're going to listen um and i i think that's that's incredibly it's an incredibly powerful concept so if that's the case how is God calling us to interact with creation in these verses? Um, and, and whoever feels like jumping in first, go for it. Well, I, I think what you just said introduces well that that um, with the how, humbly <laughs> is clearly the case um, as someone who, who needs to listen. And um, coming from the Anabaptist tradition, this has been a very important text for us. This is one of the basic practices of the church or what Catholics might call sacraments of the church. Fraternal admonition uh, is the technical term that, that we use, and, and I don't know how widespread that, that terminology is. Um, and, and for us, one of the difficulties is that uh, one of our premier theologians, John Howard Yoder, uh, specialized in this text, uh, and he ended up being a serial abuser and needed to be confronted. I mean, back to this thing of, you know, to be rebuked rather than, and he, and he twisted this, he manipulated it to uh, keep it from, from, to keep from being held accountable. And would say that, well, you know, someone who accuses me of something, they have to come to me one-on-one -on -one first. Mm -hmm. they, they're not allowed to bring somebody with them. Uh, that's the second step. So, so a very, a very specious kind of interpretation of this. 
Um, and so I think about that in, in, in thinking about how we apply this to creation, that, that we have to be careful about how we think about how we listen to creation and how we do that humbly. Um, and, and how do we do that? Because trees don't use the same language that I do. Um, and yet I need to listen to them somehow. And I'm, I'm reading The Hidden Life of Trees right now by, by um, I don't remember his name right now, but the uh, as one way of trying to learn. And I think science is one way that we learn. But science itself also, I mean, sometimes has been used to nurture trees, but sometimes has been used to abuse trees. And um, and I think of, uh, Willis Jenkins said that, that we have to be careful when we think of ourselves as part of the community of creation that we don't elide the, the differences between us, that we recognize that we are speaking for, but not as a tree. As I mean, we are fellow creatures, but we are also distinctive creatures. So there's a, it's hard to know exactly at the one, on the one hand, I don't want to be anthropocentric, uh, but I also think about all the times when powerful, privileged people say they're speaking for a whole community when in fact they're not. And, and so we have that same problem, I think, with, with our relationship with creation and that the creation certainly does need two or three witnesses, uh, needs uh, needs the whole church, needs God, uh, in order uh, for something to for something to to change. Um, and 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 to me, that's one of the powerful things about this text is the very end. We haven't referred to it very much. If if uh, two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And this sense of um, I've experienced conflict, and this is more interpersonal conflict, relational conflict, uh, when it does lead to reconciliation, and it doesn't always, and it shouldn't always, honestly, but when it does, it is a powerful experience of God's presence. And and I, I experienced the climate crisis as, as that same kind of combination of great difficulty, great despair, but also powerful presence of Christ in it. This passage is dense, even for just discussing it as we would normally discuss it, um, whatever the hell that means. And, uh, and, and, and so to bring it into the realm of creation, it probably uh, it will allow it to do more justice for what the passage actually intends, especially with different voices that y'all had that we can kind of weave together into those things. We can't speak for creation. I like that. I need to hear that because uh, the temptation would be maybe in a sermon to be like, uh, especially after Karen's piece about like, hey, I had creation talk to me and now I have to tell you guys this kind of thing too or something of an absurd advantage. Um, and it's almost like you have to pick a piece to kind of figure out how to do it. And I would still stick with the the, the reconciliation piece, but I was, I loved the bound and loosened kind of pieces of things as well like um how could we use these kind of pieces in a sermon to uh like binding and loosening our relationships with creation um i, I and, and begin to play with that kind of notion as well discuss how the process of binding and loosening in the passage can be applied to our relationship with the environment explain that our actions on earth have profound impact affecting the health 
of the planet and its ecosystems. And when we bind the earth through neglect or harm, it reflects a broken relationship. Uh, and we can emphasize how the loosening of the earth from the change of degradation and exploitation uh, through responsible stewardship, or, or, or if we want to play with the word dominion again from, from uh, Genesis chapter one, um, and, and, and thereby, again, move toward this sense of like the interconnectedness of creation and, and redemption in the midst of all this. Uh, it's, 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 it's dense and almost as if, if you're a preacher listening to this and dare you decide to do a green sermon based off this lectionary text. It's going, uh, whatever you hear is uh, here. I mean, I've already like, God, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. And you can move in a billion different directions. You almost kind of have to choose a lane and, and figure out that lane. And, and you may have to, in the sermon too, do some justice for the passage in, in ways that it's often been heard before you can kind of move in that direction. Um, God, it's just, it, it's so much. And I was, I'm, I'm, and and even though now I'm listening to Doug's warning of anthropomorphizing kind of this whole idea, I, I, I still keep hearing like St. Francis in, in the back of my mind saying to a tree, mother tree, saying to a flower, sister flower, um, moving to that sense of uh, companionship, moving to that sense of compassion because of having a sense of companionship, recognizing ourselves as a part of creation rather than separate from creation which is so much of the piece of things as well, that people, again, as I'll always point out, there's billionaires shooting themselves into space to try to escape these things with their wealth, which is not possible, but it's this kind of ideology that has happened to humanity through, and, and again, Doug's point with regards to science has done so much to help and so much to harm. Like, we feel we get to control, and as we've ruined, we think we can just separate ourselves from so there's almost a reconciliation to self that has to happen, uh, a reconciliation to whom we actually are. And, and in the midst of this, as we're going to deal with our creator, I, I think we have to hear the voice of the creator say to us, you're not separate from this. It's almost as though we need to be Job uh, being confronted with the tornado that is God being like, where were the hell are you when I created this? Like, do you have any idea how this is all connected? Because you don't. And maybe like Job, we just need to be screamed at for a while by God before we can go listen to creation scream at us better. And like Karen said, <laughs> creation is screaming at us. I, I was just like, I mean, what is the temperatures right now in, in the south part of this country as, as, as hurricanes are being formed and going to slam into different places and things? And, and again, homes being flooded, fires in Maui, what's going on in Canada? And that's just the places close to us that we actually know about better. And, and a lot of you know a whole hell of a lot more than I do because you're better at it. Um, we're being screamed at. And we're not paying any attention. We're trying to use science to figure out how not to deal with it. Biden wants to shoot stuff into space so the less less harmful UV rays. And the first time I heard that, I was reminded of a roommate I had in seminary um, who, who says to me, you know, before the flood, people lived longer because the sun's harmful UV rays couldn't get through the firmament. And I'm just like, sweet Jesus in heaven, what's wrong with this fellow? Like, <laughs> and now we're trying to do the same thing scientifically that this guy thought. And uh, 
like we need in in the word brought up humility like we have no humility in this passage especially if we're going to kind of take it that way that Karen suggested which is brilliant um and and Doug is the one who came up with the word humility uh in an effort to hear it we need to suddenly be humbled in front of it and and I and again I like the idea of Joe being screamed at because it it humbled him it humiliated him it let him know his insignificance and, and in the midst of that too we still have a, a religion that tells us to give up our lives are we willing to do that um, so that we can hear these things and then recognize the ways that we've bound the earth and and in that play of what happens on earth happens in heaven how how, how pissed is God? that we have bound God's creation the way that we have. And, and and it does, in fact, need to be loosened. And if we just have a moment when we can agree on that um, and then have this, this sense that Christ is there too. I, I like moving cosmic in this because it's almost, it, it needs it to some degree for me. Um, this cosmic Christ who's suddenly like, okay, now I can do something. Yeah, I think what I keep getting stuck on right now is in the sense the text is saying you, and I always think about for the English language, you can be singular and plural. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking about the fact of so much of this is around, it's it's not an individual thing. And so I think what God is calling us to is community. But I I think about the the need for the response to be done in a corporate way, um, not corporate business-wise, but corporate as in collective. And I think that's where the action is and where the call is. And that's also where the sin is. It's collective sin. Because even if I take my grocery bags to the store and I can go zero waste and I can do all those things, and yet I would still be responsible and have sinned against creation, the rest of creation. And so, because I still participate in systems that abuse it. And so I appreciate the theologies around like corporate sin, knowing that we all have a responsibility towards it, which means we also have a responsibility towards the reconciliation. And so I think for me, it's about how do we come together and reconcile? How do the two or three of us gather um, in Jesus name and not just um, not just us as humans, but how do we gather with the rest of creation to reconcile that? And it's, it's two or three gather, but it's, it's really at a larger scale is how I'm seeing it. That needs to happen in order for this um, reconciliation to happen. And I think that is a call towards system changes. That's a call towards um law changes, how we spend money corporately, responsibility to um, larger entities. I think it's, it. I keep thinking about the plurality of it, the corporateness and our, the sin that we've done against the rest of creation, but also the corporate response that's needed in order to reconcile with creation. Yeah. It really would be helpful if we started going through our English versions of the Bible and start putting in y'all instead of uh, you for those second person plurals. Um, I, I mean, all of this is is so good. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this passage and I keep coming back to the idea of discomfort. When 
when we have to reconcile with another human being, there is a place where we have to be awkward, right? Like we have to be, we have to be really uncomfortable and we have to, to allow ourselves to feel the, the, the discomfort of being confronted and the discomfort of confronting. And, and both of those things are uncomfortable. Both of those things are unsettling. I don't know that we ever let ourselves feel the discomfort. Um, and one of the, you know, one of the things that I think about, so I, I, you know, just got back from this really beautiful place where I was in Wyoming and, and, and part of my appreciation was in the 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 beauty and awe and majesty. And that's a lot of how the inspiration for thinking about creation and caring about creation. But, you know, like, I probably also need to balance that with, like, going to landfills and going to places where oil has spilled and going to places where toxic waste has been dumped um, so that I feel feel the discomfort of of the actions and so that I feel the embarrassment you know like there's a place for there's a place for shame in this you know like we shouldn't live in shame we shouldn't live there we shouldn't stay there but there there's a place for um maybe more a place for guilt than I will say than for shame and to recognize our own accountability our, our own um our own part in the broken relationship. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the breaking and restoring of relationship. That's ultimately what this passage is about. Um, I would also add what I hear is not so much guilt, but empathy. Hmm. Having empathy for creation. And part of finding empathy is being able to kind of sit and place yourself with another person when we're talking about people being able to step, you know, put your feet in their shoes in essence. And what you're saying, I feel like is not so much a a guilt or a shame. It's being empathetic towards nature. And I don't think that's something that we always do. We appreciate the beauty of nature, but we don't always see nature in her fullness in Mm -hmm. the full in the same way we are not one dimensional people, neither is nature. And so Mm -hmm. in being empathetic, it's not just seeing her beauty, but also the parts that are in pain, the parts that are hurting. And so I think to me, just to add some language, I guess, to what I'm hearing that I think is so um, important and really, I haven't really thought of in this way is that sense of how are we being empathetic to nature? Mm. I think you're talking about loving it too. And I mean, like truly and honestly loving it, like whether the, and, and the idea of going to landfills uh, and, and, well, and, and, and yeah, I, I, the move toward empathetic, just because again, even the way you, you move, you gravitated away from shame to guilt because the, the language is, is triggering. And and the joy of empathy is it, it moves us in the same direction, except it keeps us from uh, people who are suddenly filled with shame or guilt for something they've done. Um, 
but that in language is absolutely important in the midst of the whole thing. But the idea of just going there and feeling the pain and yet having that sense of, of love of uh, are we falling in love with our, our mother earth? Are, are we falling in love with these pieces of things and, and, and to maybe belabor the point and, uh, again, with St. Francis of Assisi that way, uh, as soon as he starts referring to things as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, um, it, it makes it a kindred. And and again, the idea of kindness, the, the root of the word kind comes from the old English that's the same as kindred. And, and it, it first meant how you treat your family. Um, are we being kind to the wider family that is is our earth is our creation and uh if I, I right now at this exact moment in time if i had to come up with a sermon uh for this i i, I might or a sermon title i i think i might use like bound in solidarity loosed in renewal um so what if we bound ourselves to the earth in ways that we haven't done this? Again, hearing from the earth that we, that we haven't done it, and we, we, we bind ourselves instead of binding the earth, bind ourselves to the earth, embrace it, and allow it to embrace us. I, I'm sorry. I, I want to go with uh, the, the prophet Karen there, um, who, who her, um, allow creation to, to embrace us, allow her to embrace us. Um, and, and embrace it back. And then again, loosed the other ways to things so that it might be renewed and, and that relationship be renewed, that kindred spirit might be renewed, that, that sense of, of, of wonder um, and, and that empathetic notion. When you go to the landfill, when you go to the toxic waste place, when you see the realities of things and, and not just try to escape from, uh, into the beauty because it's, it's whole. And when we go to the, just the beauty and see the beauty and the majesty and that awe, like, we're like, awesome. And, but like, uh, but uh, awe um, comes also from old English and it in, 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 in meant fear initially. And it kind of has that sense of fear of God. And, and when I stand on a mountaintop, yeah, it terrifies me to some degree of, of falling over something or when I've been wiped out by a wave, I have a new terror. Um, but the, the root, of awe comes from both awesome or is in both awesome and awful. And so when we see the awful and have that empathetic notion, awe, when we see the awesome and have that empathetic notion, awe, but uh, again, it always moves us back toward how are we binding ourselves appropriately to creation and loosening our bounds on creation that have been chained, enslaved it, chained it up. Um, her, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, and uh, this is why I need these things. Um, her, my mother earth, my sister, <laughs> so that I love her. And I just want to put a, a quick amen also into this idea of empathy. Uh, I really appreciate that as a way of, of thinking about how we how we listen, because that's, that's a, a big part of this first verse is listening. And so I think of empathetic listening. And I think it's also just a, a great response to the, to the warning that that Willis Jenkins that, that I already mentioned about uh, not mixing ourselves up with 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 creation, and I do think we 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 need to think of ourselves as, as fellow creatures, sisters, brothers, but with some also acknowledging of of our distinctiveness and and so and listening to with um, compassion and curiosity. Um, 
and speaking with with kindness and forthrightness. I, I, I think I just think about how we've applied this passage in my congregation, where we where we say that we um, well, my congregation. I, I just I just re- resigned a week and a half ago, so I guess I'm not supposed to say my congregation anymore. But um, that we speak to not about each other and and that the the practice that takes the difficulty of that is as you've all referred to uh, whether in with fellow humans or with or with fellow creatures uh that brings us to our last question then where is there a call to action for the church in light of the things that we've been discussing in light of the ways that we have looked at the scripture uh in this time where is there a call to action for the church? I mean, there's there's the obvious. Um, it's it's a call to be reconciled to creation. It's it's a call to listen to creation, um, and and in that humble listening, in that in that way of empathetic wonder and awe, uh, then to uh, to move toward kind of a wider call of, and I don't even like using the term stewardship. Uh, for this because it suggests uh, an otherness that I, I don't want, but some kind of environmental justice. Um, and, and it needs, again, as has been said, to be a communal kind of thing, uh, to recognize that it's it's more than just our individual call. It's the church. It's the world. It's the world being the human world. Um, it's called to actively engage in practices that promote healing and restoration. Um and, uh, it, and this includes advocating for policies and practices that protect uh, the creation. Uh, it includes supporting sustainable practices. It includes encouraging individuals to make choices that reflect concern for the creation. So you can't, like, the only concern I, I have with making uh, whatever sermon might be, one that's that's focused so much on the communal is you'll need to give someone something there that they feel they can do individually as well, if they're willing to listen. And, uh, and, and so first, I think we have to encourage them to listen. And yet, sometimes I have to remember that, well, I have a fairly progressive congregation. My last several have not been. How do I get them to hear something when they may immediately begin shelling up because it sounds like something that isn't that. And I have discovered that if you continually confront people with Jesus, even if they won't change any kind of political affiliation to save their life, they'll begin interacting differently because you can't help it when you're confronted with with Jesus. And, And here's Jesus demanding a kind of reconciliation. And, 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 and we just, and again, I love that. Are we listening? And, and it's so very obvious that we have to. And, and the nice thing is at least less and less and less people are denying climate change. So you can, you can bring that up more effectively and turn that kind of into a thing where you have to encourage the empathetic listening, perhaps, before you can begin to encourage the, the, the other actions that need to be done. Because people can't do those actions until they've listened so that they know that the actions that they are doing are, in fact, the actions that need to be done. And I would almost say that's the first piece, helping people listen. Now, there's plenty of people in my congregation who will listen 
but those pieces of listening now too get to be a kind of part. So maybe it's a, a, a three point poem, a sermon or some kind of piece with a poem at the end. I don't know when I do a poem, but like the uh, encouraging listening um, and then encouraging that humility to, uh, to recognize things. And then, yeah, that call to action always needs to be there. Uh, this passage always, and, and done well, always emphasizes reconciliation within the community. And so it needs to move whatever sermon that has an action. And a sermon needs to have some kind of piece of action, especially since Jesus is calling for the action in the midst of this. The piece that needs to be at the end, in my opinion, needs to be how the church must. Uh, it's not a should. It's more of the shall for us Presbyterians shall also work toward the reconciliation of humanity's relationship with the earth. And because that's, that's the call of, of, of Christ in this moment. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't have much to add because I agree um, with what Gary just said, but what I will say is that I think the call of action, it is individual actions, but I think it's, it's important that the individual action be done or call or the call to action be done in chorus with other people. Of course, there's still individual, like people have to take action and participate in the corporate reconciliation that needs to happen. But it will mean that, you know, as an individual, I need to call my member of Congress as an individual, I need to, um, you know, choose where I spend my money. It's that, but I'm doing it in relationship, in um, community with the rest of creation. And so it's not, so there are individual actions, but I think it's important that in the call towards actions that people can take, that it's not done with losing sight of the corporate um, community that needs to happen, the corporate responsibility that we have. And so it's not um, the, you know, for a long time, you know, it was recycling or different things. And those things are all like good and nice, but they're not a corporate response to what is going on. And so having those actions that people can take that are corporate. And for me, that means, um, again, what are those collective things that we can do that can make a change and address stuff at a corporate level being, um, policy being far bigger things that will change systems um, because the reconciliation will not happen um, with me just going out into nature and hugging a tree or whatever, even though that's very fun to do, but it's not how the reconciliation will happen. It's going to happen because there has to be fundamental changes that need to happen in order for this, um, for our relationship to be made right again. Yeah, and I want to I want to build on on that idea that that Karen expresses about as she talks about going from recycling to tree hugging to systems change as the things that we need to do the kind of the kind of revisioning of of action that's going on there. I, I think that is a, a key part of this text. Um, this binding on earth and and loosing on earth and. Um, the example I would go to on that is, you know, I'm, I'm a Mennonite pastor, but but I've, I've there's an Amish district, another Anabaptist group that I've gone to periodically, even though I don't really know uh, Pennsylvania German, but I have them explain to me what's going on. And the one time I was there, they were discussing a technology that that was coming into the community. It has to do with cell phone stuff. 
and they were trying to figure out what their response was to that and 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 using a kind of a process like this that that because this it, it talks about we sometimes think about this as there's these rules you know maybe that's the sermon on the mount that you're supposed to follow and you know if someone isn't following the rules you're supposed to tattle on them but but this is talking about when someone sins against you when some harm is done and we've been talking about when harm is done against creation and there's this reconciling dialogue as i see the way this stands it could lead to where you say yes i shouldn't have done that but it could also be like no you you misunderstood me and we need to change i think we we have to keep I hope I'm not losing people here. We have to keep working on um, and and listening to creation that there aren't just these hard and fast rules that we follow because we we there's something that we used to do all the time, like recycling, that we discover well that that doesn't that's not doing as much as what we thought it was. And 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 um, are there certain practices that we followed in how we relate to trees, and then we discover well that doesn't quite work that way. Like there, there's this ongoing dialogue and this ongoing revision. That I guess part of what I'm trying to talk ag against is a sort of climate puritanism that somehow sets some hard and fast rules. But at the same time, what happens here is a little more difficult and a little harder because you may say, well, I've been following the rules, but you're still harming. Like, like the question is really, are you sinning against? Are you harming? And when you discover you harm, you have to be humble enough to say, okay, I need to keep changing. I need to, I need to revise something that, I, that I've done before. So I just see this ongoing kind of, of um, dialogue that, that we have with, with the wider creation, with Mother Earth, uh, with, with the spirit of life. Uh, and it's both... Uh, difficult, but awful and awesome uh, as well. And I guess that's not both. That's Those are three things. But And that's all good. I love all that you said in, in both of you in the way that you said it. God, so much wisdom again. What I love in this passage, most of all, this exact moment in time is he goes to the church because Again, as, as, as Doug said, it's it's the only place that Jesus uses the word church. And it's about the healing. And so for Jesus, the use of the word church was a place for healing of things that were broken, relationships that were broken, lives that were broken. And and it is 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 what said to Doug, like and then treat them as a is a Gentile or tax collector, which was again a place that continued moving toward healing, and and it's so easy to hear Gentile or tax collector and be like, well, we know how we treat those people, but and, and that's because of the rules. But it's like a, on a side note, and this is because I can't help myself. Um, Jesus reinterpreted the Mosaic laws, and and so we have to look at the Mosaic laws through the lenses of Christ. We have to look at Christ's laws through the lenses of Christ, too. Uh, why did Jesus say it's not okay to divorce your wife? Because, again, she can't do the divorce then for you. Well, it was a justice issue because if you if you, someone was suddenly without the means of being supported in that particular point in time, they were left alone. 
Um, and, and so Jesus refused to allow any moment for that to happen so that that woman was able to experience justice at a time when that was the only kind of justice she might be able to receive. And so if we were to continue saying you can't divorce your husband who's abusing you because Jesus said so, we're not paying attention to Jesus' own words through the lenses of Christ. And, and so that need, again, of making sure that, like, again, climate puritanism, that's brilliant. And I've never heard that before and how that piece of things, we need to re-examine everything. And, and that's the role of church. Jesus is going to bring the church up once and it's to, uh, it's, it's to bring things together. We can never do so in a way without doing it constantly through the lenses of Christ. And the best we can ever tell through the lenses of Christ is it's always moving in the direction of uh, love, uh, justice, uh, and, and perhaps the, the best word um, for which there's not an English translation, but we all kind of know what it means. Shalom. As we wrap up here and I think about this passage, you know, one of the things that I, I want to be, I want to challenge us and that I am challenged with as well. We've talked a lot about our relationship with creation. And I think that's a wonderful lens through which to look at this passage However, I do want to kind of go back to the origin of this passage and think about the fact that there is also a call here for courage for those of us in the church to speak to the other parts of the church that are not listening to creation. The parts that have said, this earth is not my home and I'm going to be taken up into the sky and that there is a there is a maybe there's a call here for us to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with our brothers and sisters in the parts of the church who don't feel ready to hear the 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 climate part of Jesus's message i just think we are very easy we are very quick to write each other off we are very quick to write off other parts of the church. We are very quick to write off other parts of the body of Christ. And I think particularly considering the urgency of the climate crisis that we face, maybe part of what the call is in this passage is for us to think of ways that we can begin to reconcile the body of Christ around these issues. But I want to thank you all for for going there with this passage and 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 going in some places that were some unexpected that were unexpected um for really um using some creativity and some uh some playfulness and some uh I don't know some some real imagination and and creativity and thinking of how we how we how we tackle this text in light of the climate crisis that is in front of us. So Doug, thank you for joining us. Karen, thank you for being with us. Garrett, thank you as always for joining us and um, uh, look forward to being with you all again as we continue these conversations. Thank you for joining us for the Green Lectionary Podcast. This episode was produced by Derek Weston, and the music was provided by Christian McIver. You can learn more about this and the other programs of Creation Justice Ministries at creationjustice.org.
Our story comes alive within these pages For every time and place throughout the ages God speaks and is heard and the enduring word Calls us to care for our world as we share the love that can set creation free Restoring the earth to wholeness, peace, and harmony. Let the songs of the water, land, and sky resound. Cause together we're all bound. Within these pages, there's always new life to be found.